This is Father Michael Chummer here with another episode of The Normal Christian Life. We thought it'd be good to talk about baptism in the Spirit. Uh, a lot of people maybe have heard of this. A lot of Catholics haven't heard of it. I know I didn't hear of it for a while until I got involved with some charismatic stuff, uh, you know, charismatic groups and things like that. But as a big point of this podcast is this is the normal Christian life. Baptism in the Spirit is something that's made popular. It's it's the, the charismatic renewal has brought a lot of attention to this grace of baptism in the spirit. But I don't think we should I don't think we should think that, well, this is just for this specific group of people. This is the normal Christian life. And so although that the charismatic renewal has really put a lot of emphasis on this, it's not just a thing for a certain group of people. Like anyone who's a follower of Jesus, anyone who's a Catholic should really be uh, walking, yeah, should 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 know about baptism in the Spirit. Yeah, um, so there's, there's a lot to say on this topic, but um, which one I really just give an overview of like what it is and our own testimonies with it just to put flesh on it basically. I think that's important. So I don't know if you, I know like uh, Father Christopher has been recently like, writing like a, a blog on it. So do you just want to share with people just like an overview of what it is? And by the way, you can check out his blogs as well if you want a more thorough. I mean, that'd be honestly ideal if you want to get the real technical stuff. But Yeah, the idea of, of baptism and the Holy Spirit and the language of that comes from Scripture. And people might recognize that from both from John the Baptist, who said that he would be baptizing people with water for repentance. And he said when Jesus came, when the one, uh, the Messiah came, that he would baptize them in the Holy Spirit and in fire. <clears throat> so Jesus <clears throat> is presented as the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus, of course, promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he told the disciples that they would the apostles, the disciples, that they would be clothed with power from on high, that they would receive the promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, I guess just right off the bat, something to maybe clarify is that baptism of the Holy Spirit is like an, it's an, an individual experience of grace through the Holy Spirit that is um, fully releasing, uh, fully actualizing, or fully... Um, yeah, releasing or activating, there's a lot of different words people using. People use uh, fully releasing that grace of our baptism and the grace of our confirmation. So it's not a sacrament. It's not uh, another baptism. We don't get baptized twice. And it's a, it doesn't replace or, or add something to, to baptism, to our water baptism that we all received. It is just a, a, a movement of the Holy Spirit in a person to make those graces come fully alive so the person can actually live out their baptism fully. Do you want me to jump into that quote that um, that I mentioned in my blog post? Sure, go ahead and say it. Yeah, the, there's just a document that the, the, the United States Catholic bishops put out in 1997. It was a document giving thanks to the charismatic renewal and affirming it and praising it, the work that it had done. And it, the document's titled, it was in 1997, it's titled Grace for the New Springtime. And the idea was that there was 
A lot of people, especially John Paul II, were talking about a new springtime to come in the church, and that uh, the the document presents baptism in the Holy Spirit, like this full living out our baptism, as the grace that was that would be needed for this new springtime. And so I wanted to read this, just a couple parts of what the bishop said in this document, because it very explicitly uh, affirms this idea of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's what they said. It says, In this statement, we want not only to affirm the good fruit of the Catholic charismatic renewal, but also the grace which is at the heart of this renewal, namely, baptism in the Holy Spirit, or the fuller release of the Holy Spirit, as some would prefer. As experienced in the Catholic charismatic renewal, baptism in the Holy Spirit makes Jesus Christ known and loved as Lord and Savior, establishes or reestablishes an immediacy of relationship with all those persons of the Trinity, and through inner transformation affects the whole of the Christian's life. There is new life and a new conscious awareness of God's power and presence. It is a grace experience which touches every dimension of the church's life, worship, preaching, teaching, ministry, evangelism, prayer and spirituality, service and community. And here's the, uh, here's the kicker line, and it's actually where we get the title of our podcast. They say, because of this, it is our conviction that baptism in the Holy Spirit, understood as the reawakening in Christian experience of the presence and action of the Holy Spirit given in Christian initiation, and manifested in a broad range of charisms, including those closely associated with the Catholic charismatic renewal, is part of the normal Christian life. We encourage the whole church to look into and embrace baptism in the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of just this resounding affirmation of that we all need to not only receive the sacraments, that's the most important thing, but that all of us are meant to um, have just to become fully open to the grace that we received so that we can live out our identity as beloved sons and daughters in God, uh, um, including gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. I think this really dovetails super well with, and <clears throat> um, this was intentional, actually, <laughs> um, uh, dovetails with the whole theme that we covered last time of, you know, um, why do we need renewal in the church? Um, and what is God's solution to that? <clears throat> and I think um, baptism in the Holy Spirit is a central piece of God's solution. It's not something that I think we can, in good conscience, just ignore. Is it something that's necessary for salvation? I mean, no one, no Catholic has ever taught that. Um, but at the same time, um, this is something that, as you know, as that quote shows, it's something that invigorates and breathes new life into every aspect of our ministry, of our life as Catholics. Um, it's a spirit-filled um, Christianity, as we saw very, um, we saw very boldly lived out in the early church. Um, and the Lord's giving us a lot of those same graces now and reawakening the church. And it's not something that, I mean, I know for the three of us, we can't, we, we no longer have room to doubt that from the fruits that we've seen. Yeah. So, and it, so you know, we talk about the sacraments having power, like they're super powerful and people hear all this time, 
oh, baptism is so amazing. You're going to get this indwelling of the Spirit, you know, this, this sanctifying grace, all this uh, confirmation, like this is your Pentecost. And we are not seeing people like in the Acts of the Apostles. We are not seeing people in the early church. So that deserved an explanation. So, I mean, like either this actually doesn't work. This is just nice, like sounding like theology. This, this doesn't actually work or there's something else that explains how can we say, how can we say that? And uh, Father Christopher, you can share this uh, story just very briefly uh, about like someone's dis- uh, disappointment about that. But how can we say that it has all this power and then not see the effects? Like that needs a serious explanation because when the, the apostles had experienced Pentecost, they were cow- they were cowards, they abandoned Jesus, they didn't really understand a lot of things a lot of times, and they were completely different after Pentecost. It brought about a, tr- a profound transformation. Why, is, why isn't that happening with people who are receiving confirmation? Maybe we just think it's just about their effort. Like, well, people just got to try harder, but like, no, it's a grace. Yeah, it's grace. Uh, I was doing a temporary ministry thing at a U.S. Air Force Base in Italy several years ago. And this was actually before, it's kind of interesting thinking of this story now because it's, it's before I was introduced to anything uh, charismatic or before I knew about baptism of the Holy Spirit and I had that understanding. But I was talking to, I was with a deacon and we were, I was a seminarian, and we were talking to uh, a young man uh, who was Protestant. He had been raised Catholic and he, we had this long discussion. It was a great conversation. We had disagreements and we were talking about scripture and stuff. It was good, but he uh, specifically brought up confirmation. He had recently attended uh, a confirmation of a family friend of his, this like teenage boy, and he just just summarized his experience of seeing it by saying to me, he said, um, you can't tell me that those kids received the Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, why not? He's like, there's no response. Like there was no, they all looked like bored out of their mind or they didn't look like they even really wanted to be there. And I probably had, you know, I had a good theological answer at the time about, and it is important, but like their disposition and, and how we prepare and things. Um, But I think it's, I wanted to tie this to just a a really short quote from the catechism. Uh, It's catechism 1302, paragraph 1302. The catechism says, it says, it is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. It, it, the catechism is saying it's evident from its celebration that this is the grace of Pentecost. And my joke is kind of like, I really wish it were more evident. Like I wish it were, you know, I wish it like were, I wish people would go to a confirmation and, and experience it that way. So yeah, we, we don't, it's not a, it's not a questioning or being skeptical about the grace that's received, but I think what Father Michael just mentioned is, like, that's a really good point, is like, why aren't we seeing the fruits? Um, you know, we're not saying that somebody, if they have no support, or maybe their family is not practicing their faith, that they should just be, you know, going out in the streets and like, uh, suddenly evangelizing the whole city they live in, but like, yeah, like, where is, you know, where's the response? Where are the fruits? By their fruits, you will know them, Jesus said. And there's plenty of fruits in the apostles, the other disciples, the book of Acts. We see it. We see it in a lot of the lives of the saints. So um, that can kind of maybe get into our, some of our 
our own experiences or or just what 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 does it look like if if the fruits are there like what is it what's an example of the sacraments being allowed to have their effect the way they should what does it look like this reminds me of a uh, story i've heard a number of years ago um just on that point of how we've grown not to expect strong responses from people going to confirmation um there was some there was some young man who was really being taught and prepared um by his parents to receive the sacrament of confirmation um and uh and he was going through the normal confirmation class but at home he was receiving a lot of extra like um i guess formation in preparation for the sacrament and when he actually went up to get confirmed i think this was in I don't know, like North Carolina is, is what I remember, or some, some state like that. But he, when he went up to get confirmed, the bishop laid hands on him, and he just fell over on the floor, and they called the fire department because they, yeah. no, they had no idea what was going on. But the guy actually had a really powerful experience of God that knocked him onto the floor. We'll talk about that sort of thing um, in future episodes, but um, maybe even today. But um, it was just interesting, and I think... a. A little bit, a little bit sad that we, we don't um, know how to handle any intense spiritual experiences within that context. Usually, uh, in the church, um, and it's kind of, you know, it's almost, it's pretty much acceptable, honestly, for us to uh, just see people uh, walk away uh, from sacrament of confirmation and the reception and and all that, and just expect them to be kind of the way. The way they were before. Yeah, why? Why do you? What do you think the? What do you think the right root of that lack of expectation is? Do you think it's like a, a misguided sense of like propriety in church? Do you think it's just our um, fear of man, or like our, our being afraid to like? Uh, maybe I don't know. Just look foolish or look silly, or I mean, I I can see it's obviously not just one thing. But what do you guys think about that? Like, because we often we, yeah. we'll talk about well, like that lack of expectation. But like, I kind of wonder. I mean, we don't know how it's been a while since probably most people had that kind of expectation. So, what uh, is it? Just maybe a, a risk that's like inherent to like, the you know the institutionalizing of the church in the sense of like when it became like, well, everyone's doing it and like we kind of all do this sacrament, like it's just a step you take, yeah. Yeah, well, I think we'll probably cover this more on when we talk about the other manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but um, I do think it's a type of control. I also think we don't actually give God space. Like communion, for example, tons and tons of people go to Mass. A lot of people like maybe just have a general sense like they they get something out of it in the sense of like well there's something right about giving god a certain amount of time in the week but in terms of what i actually experienced from receiving communion not a lot of people could probably put a finger on that and like because i mean people receive communion they, they might be singing the whole time looking at people in the communion line there's no time for silence and so i think if we actually had time for silence people would I, that's not my main point i do think it's a control thing it's a lack of expectation but like, do we actually give space for the Spirit to show up? Like, I... Uh, so normally, the bishop does confirmations for... Uh, yeah, mo mostly the, the, the bishop does confirmations. But I, I'm not a, even a pastor, but as a parochial vicar, I can um, 
I can confirm with the pastor's permission. I can confirm so, uh, uh, a Protestant who's joining the Catholic Church. Uh, it's it's kind of confusing, but so I've done a, just a couple of confirmations. But I did confirmation for this guy, and I didn't change any of the words or any of the gestures. But there's a place where you just you anoint with oil as you have your hand on their head, and I just like kept my hand on there for a pretty long time. And just like giving the spirit to work, and then I said, "Hey, like when I was like praying for you, the the whole like Holy Spirit, like did you feel anything?" He's like, "I was like, yeah." He's like, "I was like, he's like, yeah." So what did you feel? He said, "Yeah." He's like, "I felt." I mean, he was kind of a you know a simple guy, and he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "I felt all this like heat in my head." I'm like, "Yeah, that's a that's a sign of the Holy Spirit." So I mean, given given the Holy Spirit room to to show up, um, just even time, but certainly this like the expectations of like just kind of get in line next get in line next get in line next i think it's everything or a lot of it sorry yeah you think maybe we could just think about just kind of big picture maybe before we jump into some some other examples of like what how the holy spirit manifests or uh, even with specifically in the experience of baptism the holy spirit um, just the idea of like there's this underlying conviction i would call an assumption that the holy spirit works in a fundamentally different way today or even in just in recent years than he did in the early church there's just this like everyone go when you read the, even the gospels the acts of the apostles whatever saint paul there's just this kind of understood thing that like well right you know that was like <laughs> actually apostles or like that was you know that time and it's like what 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 do you think what do you think gives you permission to interpret the Christian life as being fundamentally different in how people experience it today than how they did in the Acts of the Apostles? Like what what's the what's the basis for such a, a dramatic shift in the theology? Looking at Pentecost, um yeah, it, it was kind of a it had to be kind of a scene. I mean, a lot of people joke like commenting on this scripture now uh, I listen to they'll say like yeah the, the Pope's the first Pope's first homily started off by him explaining to the audience that he and the other disciples were not drunk uh, <laughs> and you know there well there were people were hearing them in different languages and there was always people there um, people hear people hearing different languages is not a, is not actually is not a symptom of drunkenness <laughs> it's like that's not like it had to be like joyful there had to be exuberance there had to be a lot of it had to be expressive um just yeah just thinking about that like that was the the early church's experience of the holy spirit just as like a baseline just to say like uh, i should expect that that kind of thing that that those kind of manifestations would happen again like and just to give yourself permission that that could even happen to me or it could happen. And like, what would I think about it? Would I welcome it? Or would I just like, I don't know, write it off as like, oh, that's just human or that's like sensational. It wasn't sensational then. Would I just say one more thing? I do think um, we could actually get on to sharing our personal testimonies of this real soon. Um, I just kind of wanted to share one, maybe a couple more quick things on this topic before we get into uh, the testimonies. Um, just in response to what Father Michael was saying, uh, or, or what Father Chris asked earlier, 
Um, I think um, just about like why why we don't have that expectation. Um, I do think some of it could just be people don't know don't know what to expect or they don't know any better. And that's one of the purposes that we have this podcast is that, you know, we're just trying to spread the good word of what we've, what we've heard and seen, right. With this. Um, and you know, the, the bishops may have had this document and all that, but a lot of people have no idea about this still, um, in the, in the church by and large. Um, and then on that topic too, of, um, and this is the other last thing I wanted to touch on, I'll try to be brief on this, but it's a fascinating topic to me. Um, someone might be listening and be like, oh, well, the bishops had this document kind of affirming the charismatic renewal. That's great. Um, but I still think it's kind of a Protestant thing. I mean, I still see it as like something that came out of the Protestant church and we're just being really like kind of welcoming of that because it's post-Vatican II and that's what we do now. And I mean, people could have this kind of mentality about this um, because they see it as, as as a kind of a artifact of, you know, Pentecostal, you know, theology and stuff. And of course, the charismatic renewal is way bigger than just the Pentecostals, um, if you look at the history. But um, there is truth to the fact that this was something that was largely observed uh, among Protestant churches before it really entered the Catholic Church around 1967. So um, what I want to say in response to that real quick, um, something that I kind of accidentally came upon recently, this is just one of many examples I could make. Um, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not um, a Protestant phenomenon, and it's not it's not a, just an early church phenomenon. It's not just a really recent phenomenon. Um, there's a guy whose name uh, was coming up a number of places for me. It started, I, I first got introduced to him through Damien Stain, and then I started seeing stuff about him in the Encounter School, um, quotes by him. His name is Simeon the, the-, the New Theologian. So he's an Eastern, um, he's an Eastern uh, saint. Um, he's one of three, I believe it's St. John the the evangelist and St. Gregory Nazianzen, um, one of the th- those three guys named the theologian in the Eastern Church, and they're very uh, highly revered. Um, but he died around 1022, so that's like a thousand years ago from now, exactly. Um, and he writes in a way that um, really struck me. He writes about baptism in the Holy Spirit. He calls it that. He usually calls it baptism of tears. Um, because for him, the primary manifestation is um, being convicted of your sin and weeping tears of repentance. And he says what it is, basically, it is when you've sinned after your baptism and your confirmation, which they normally would do it around the same time, I believe, um, in the Eastern Church, I think, um, they... um, since you've sinned and since you've kind of you've not made that choice for God in the in the years since then, the baptism of tears is what actually brings you into that life in the spirit. And that's what he says in the the personal experience of God. And this was actually this was actually kind of controversial even in his time and among the Eastern churches was his kind of teaching that the the baptism with water is in a sense incomplete without the baptism of tears. And um, it's really fascinating. He even says that the when it happens, he says that you'll like fall to the ground. 
you'll feel burning oftentimes or cry out or something like that. Um, and I was just reading that. And I was like, wow, this is this is very interesting. Um, so with that, I think we could probably start getting into some um, testimonies. I, um, I mean, I could go unless someone else is ready to roll and we could just move to somebody else for now. All right. Well, actually, uh, I could go real. Yeah, go. Yeah, go. You just yeah, go. Go for Since it. Since I'm on a roll, I guess I'm. And something just uh, something to point out, by the way, real quick is uh, this is not even. We do actually have a variety of testimonies here, but it's not even remotely the full spectrum. Nope. But they're just concrete examples of what does it look like for this baptism confirmation to be really stirred up. You probably heard like the chocolate milk analogy. If you have poor chocolate syrup into milk, yes, yeah, stir it up. So. This experience of like stirring what's been given, like can happen in a variety of ways. But uh, but just even know that this is not even remotely. Yeah, every experience uh, is not like a thorough representation. Well, every experience is different, and even among the three of us, our experiences are certainly all different. I think I actually don't know Father Chris's story, so I'm yeah. really excited to hear that. Um, but my story, um, be as brief as possible. It's actually a good segue from uh, what. Um, Simeon, the theologian, the new theologian would say, because that was really how I experienced baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, I went to a Franciscan University of Steubenville youth conference back when I was 14. Um, and just, you know, just about to enter into high school. Um, I was coming into terms with my own brokenness at that time. And the fact that, you know, um, and the fact that, I mean, I was also just terrified of God. I just really felt like, you know, even though God's supposed to be loving, I really kind of experienced him more as an ogre that was kind of towering over me. Um, I was just someone who wanted to have fun, you know, wanted to scrape by into heaven. And in fact, I didn't want to just scrape by into heaven. I, I wanted to be a good person, but I also felt like, I mean, there's purgatory and hell and, you know, and just suffering and you have to, you know, pick up your cross and you gotta be, a, you gotta be a saint by, you know, striving and with all these sufferings. And I just was like, I, like, I'm not, I'm not all about that. So I was not really a pious kid, it honestly. Doesn't, doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like fun. No, it doesn't sound, doesn't like, sound like fun. Doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like the good news. I went to this conference and I was blown away, honestly. And there's, there's so much to this. I just need to get straight to the basic experience, but um, I was in there, and actually, and this is really important, actually a really important piece. There was a keynote talk on Saturday night uh, by, I think, Mark Hart about um, the sufferings of our Lord um, in, in his crucifixion, and um, and not so much this just focusing on the sufferings, but just on the whole big picture of the sacrifice and um, his love and laying down his life for us. And there was, and the spirit was present in that preaching because I remember it struck me in a whole new light. It was all stuff I had heard before, but that was the beginning of of the Lord working on my heart at that conference. I was like, "Huh, wow, that actually is something," you know. And then, like an hour or two later, they had adoration, and um, this was the first time I'd ever seen the Holy Spirit moving in a room full of people. So you know, I, I, stuff was happening all around me. There are these tough kids who had come along the trip who were like, like bursting into tears and stuff, you know, that, <laughs> and I was like, I, 
I believed it. Like I believed that the Holy Spirit was moving. Like I wasn't doubting that, but I was really doubting like, okay, I was basically, I remember thinking, of course, this would never happen to me. Right. And, um, I remember looking up at the, at the monstrance with our Lord in the Eucharist there and just in my heart, just that very quiet, just calm, just thought came to me of like, what if you really believed what you'd been taught about this being, being Jesus? Um, and I was like, and I can't tell you how I was able to make the decision to believe but it was offered to me and I took it. And so right there, it was a decision wow. to believe that I like, I had always thought that I believed in the Eucharist, but I realized I didn't believe to the extent that I let it impact me or I didn't accept the grace to really <clears throat> believe it the way I could have. And so and it wasn't as much of a decisive right. decision. Right. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit, one of the things it does is it makes Jesus manifest because the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he reveals the risen, glorified Jesus to you. And so that's what happened to me. I, I saw, I realized he was looking at me from the monstrance and I could not look at him. So I, I stopped, I, st I looked down and I started just weeping because I felt, I felt the evil of my sin. But I also felt his unconditional love just pouring over me. And that's one of the things that we need to talk about, too, is that the church needs to reawaken to the fact that there is how terrible sin is and how good God is. Sin is very, very evil because God is so good. But God's mercy spans, bridges that whole gap. So I was experiencing that for the first time in my life. And in the midst of those tears um, was an inner renewal, a sense of tremendous mission and purpose, a sense of that I had never had before, that my life had a purpose, um, and that that purpose was going to be found in following, following Jesus and following his will that he would reveal to me in time. And that has been something that I have completely, I mean, my whole life was found, like my whole life began again from that moment. It was, I knew at the time, I remember thinking it, this is the most important moment of my life, you know, as far as experientially. Wow. Like I knew that in the moment. Wow. Um, and um, so, yeah. Like a, re like a rebirth. Yeah. I mean, I got. Which, which, which baptiz baptism is Amen, a rebirth. Yeah. And this is the activation of the baptism and confirmation. I knew that I was loved by the father. I mean, I went to bed. I was just like, I was just. I knew I was in love with the Lord like that. Like you got to understand I was that I, like a few days before I was that same 14 year old who was just terrified of God and didn't felt like I knew him at all. And then I remember I got off the bus. Uh, my mom, my mom said when she saw me get off the bus, she said, I knew you were different when, as soon as you got off. And like, you know, I, I shared my testimony beautiful. to the family and stuff. I was trying to reconcile my siblings when they were fighting. And I was usually would take sides normally, you know, before that. I would thank God as soon as I woke up in the morning. That's that's what came out of my lips. Was like, thank you, Lord. It's like, that doesn't happen unless you have a relationship with God. If you're a teenager, right? If you're 14, there's something's really happening. And I was like, the Bible started to come alive. So there's just... 
Uh, and, and there's more to the story. There's unfortunately, I didn't start using the supernatural charisms at that time because I didn't have a framework or really a community in which to do that. But I did. I did get a jump start in my personal relationship with Jesus. So I think I'm going to leave it right there and let someone else uh, take over. It's incredible that you had, like, you mentioned, like, it doesn't happen with a 14-year-old. Like, I think a lot of people would look at, you know, maybe maybe the experience would happen to a 14-year-old, like, in the moment. Or, like, people, you see kids get, like, I'm not saying this isn't authentic, but you get, like, just really excited and really, like, uh, about your faith, maybe, like, on a retreat or at a conference or something. Uh, but it, what, the, But the fruits don't last. It's like, you know, you said, like, that was a turning point. Mm-hmm. And that is a thing that I consistently hear in testimonies about baptism and the Holy Spirit is like, even if someone did, doesn't know to call it that, there's just those, um, someone who's been living the faith, who's been a believer, who's been practicing their faith, and then there's a turning point moment where it's like, yeah, but there was this new grace, uh, not in the sense of like, like we already said, it's not like a replacing or adding to a sacrament, but like somehow... I wasn't like cashing in on what I had been given, you know, or it's like I had this in a sitting in an account in, mm-hmm. a, in my bank account, this grace. And I, and I didn't know, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to make a withdrawal. I wasn't able to access what Cash I had it. been given. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I can let father Christopher get sharing his testimony, but the thing that sticks out to me from your experience too, is how the Holy spirit convicts. It's like, you should pray and beg all the time, Holy Spirit, convict me of my sin. Holy Spirit, convict me of my sin. Because you experience the reality of sin, which actually allows you to appreciate God's mercy and appreciate His love. Because you said you felt a knowledge of your sins, but also knowledge of His love. So, Depart um, from me, Lord, for I am a... You can't really de- know God's love. Depart apart- from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. What Peter says when he encounters the power of Jesus. And that is that is the moment in the Bible that I most... Now, I mean, there's a Pentecostal aspect to my moment, but that's also one that I particularly relate to in my experience there was when Peter uh, does that with Jesus. Yeah. And then he, Jesus calls him. And Jesus, pro- and Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would, you know, convict convict the, the world of sin. Yes. So that's a, the good way that the Spirit does it. So, yeah, we're just working with the limitation of time here, and we also have a, a mission to not have of all the amazing things to hear, we don't want to hog, uh, you know, your headphones or whatever, because there's a lot of like three hour long podcasts, which are great, but we just want to kind of limit ourselves here. So Father Christopher, you want to share your testimony? Yeah, I have, uh, this is something I guess I could just briefly mention is that uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not, is not by any means like a one-time experience. For a lot of people, it is that sort of turning point moment, like in Joe's testimony. Maybe there's like a, a one time that it happened at the, at first that was particularly powerful. Um, but as as like a out, as a releasing of grace you already received or as an activation of like your baptism, especially like to an, empower you to go like live the Christian life, I mean, it just makes sense in principle that like, that could happen again, right? Um, in the in the book of Acts, after Pentecost, two chapters after Pentecost, uh, after they had already been filled with the Holy Spirit, it says that they were praying for more boldness, and the disciples were gathered in a house, and, and then the ha- the house where they were in shook, mm-hmm. and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. So just as a reminder, like yeah. in my own story, there's been a few experiences, but I'm going to sh- just share very briefly. 
the first time that I believe I ex- really experienced the grace of baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, I had learned about charismatic things. I had heard about Dr. Mary Healy's work. My brother, Father Michael, had shared with me about uh, Dr. Mary Healy's book, Healing. I had read that, and I was kind of reading a couple other things, and I was just really, my eyes were really opened to this like this new world of like life in the spirit. I was just blown away by it. I had a, my desire for it was really building. And I uh, was, but was still kind of more private. I didn't really have, I was at seminary. Uh, at that point I was a deacon. I didn't have like a group of friends that were into this. We weren't, we didn't have like a group that met and prayed together or anything. So I'm just, I ended up being, I'm on a silent retreat at the beginning of my deacon year. And I was reading a book that's uh, co-authored by Dr. Mary Healy and a Protestant pastor named Dr. Randy Clark. It's called The Spiritual Gifts Handbook. And there was a, a chapter like on each of the different gifts of the Holy Spirit, like the spiritual gifts. And there's a chapter on the gift of tongues. And I was reading about that, learning about that. And as I'm just reading through the book, I'm like, my desire is growing, my desire is growing. And I'm in the silent retreat, so I'm just like... I have a lot of time to, to open myself to the Lord and just to, I'm like really trying to give him permission to come in. I'm like, Lord, I want these graces that I'm reading about. I want to be empowered. I want to be like like the early disciples. I want to be on fire. And um, as I'm reading the book, I actually started to kind of feel a little bit sick, like out of nowhere. And I started to get really hot, like within a pretty short period of time, I felt like I had like 105 fever. <laughs> I was just burning up. And it was kind of weird because, um, I mean, it's a sound retreat, so, you know, around a lot of people anyway, but I was kind of like, uh, do I have like COVID or something? Like, I, don't, I don't know what was going on. I just got, I got really hot and I was, and this is why it falls well off of off Joe's testimony because I think the word, my initial experience was that I was being purified from a lot of stuff from my past. And uh, so that's not the end of the story though. I started getting really hot. I was like sweating, but I didn't, it was a weird feeling. And um, I was still reading about get the tongues and um, my heart was just opening up in prayer. And I hadn't even, I I don't think I'd ever heard anybody pray in tongues. I certainly had not been like part of a group where they were doing that. And I just started praying in tongues. Uh, Just like, I mean, they were describing like why it was in the scripture and the reasons for it and all this stuff. And I just started praying in tongues. And I, w- I was kind of sitting in this chair. I probably prayed in tongues for like 25, 30 minutes. I don't know how long. And I just, even though I was still burning up, I had this like overwhelming sense of peace. Uh, and I'm just kind of, you know, making these sounds. I don't know what I'm doing. And um, it was it was beautiful. It, I felt very, I, it felt like a moment of like total surrender and of trust that like God was purifying me, that he was basically going to bring me to where I needed to be. Uh, I ended up like falling asleep, I, like just not too long after that. And I woke up feeling like 100% healthy, normal. I didn't, I wasn't sick. I didn't have like a cold or anything like that or a fever anymore. I checked my temperature. I had a thermometer there, totally normal. Um, very powerful. And again, wow. yeah, I won't share the, the later experiences, but I think that initial experience, I just needed to be... Um, yeah, the Lord was doing some deep work in me and I, it's kind of beautiful because I don't even, you know, I don't really know what the, 
what specifically I was being purified of. I mean, I could get into that more at a different time, but that's that's that was my first experience of uh, like a surprising grace of the Spirit and um, to be praying in tongues for a long time, having never heard it, and the peace that came with that was a was a clear fruit, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yeah, especially because you've not even heard it. And here's the thing, too. Like in some maybe conferences or charismatic program meetings, there actually would be more of an expectation of that. Um, even if like someone's being prayed over, like, hey, you might pray in tongues, be open to that. Other people are doing it. But a lot of people think, well, what happens is that people get in these like meetings, they with each other, they're kind of getting this like emotional craze and... <laughs> you know, they just are so hungry for God that they kind of just make this stuff up a little bit. There's a lot of uh, emotional, uh, emotional we can, stuff. We can going acknowledge on. that 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 does happen. You know, like right sometimes know, for sure. Like that is that is a right. thing. I'm sure. Like, and we can never right in, in given in a given instance we can't necessarily but there are, prove this is this what's of God and what's not. But this is a story where that's you know not the case. You're by yourself at a silent retreat. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I just wanted yeah. to mention that we're gonna we're definitely gonna have a future episode just on the like gift of tongues where we talk about it in more depth. So more to come on that. Yeah, I I will say um, because I actually have a, I have to be with Jesus. I have an appointment with Jesus in church in the in the Blessed Sacrament in about ten or eleven minutes. I might be leaving a little bit early, but I'll leave it to. Uh, you guys to wrap this up. So just, just throwing that out there. You're a good man, Joe. Thank you for your testimony. Yep. I'll share my testimony about my experience of baptism in the spirit. Mine actually is pretty cool. <laughs> one, because it happened in the Holy land. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I, one level I actually would encourage you to, um, just go on pilgrimages and things like that. But, you know, get out of your, 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 your normal world just could be a conference, could be a treat, could be going to, you know, our lady Lords or whatever. But so that's, that's a good thing. But I also don't want people to think, I mean, you guys, that wasn't the case. You don't have to, to go somewhere. But anyway, so, so mine's a prequel cool story. Cause I was, I was also a deacon. We had a trip to the Holy land and I was also reading the spiritual gifts handbook and I'll at the end, I'll <laughs> buy that book. For, for <laughs> Make some recommendations for books because faith comes from what is heard. So you you have to hear testimonies of this, and it makes you desire it. God will give you what you desire, but you just have to cultivate desire. So I was reading this book called The Spiritual Gifts Handbook, and also had read um, uh, Healing by Mary Healy, just the power of the Holy Spirit, while working powerfully in evangelization through healing. And overall, just on this trip, I just... A lot of desire and passion being stirred up in me. This particular day, uh, you know, I just, I, at the time especially, I just had some gut issues and really traveling is really hard in my body. Like, I just really fatigued and brain fog all the time. Not even really, there's a lot of graces, but not even a great mood. So, on this particular day, you know, I'm not to some like conference, like summertime, sunshine, feeling great. It's like, not sleeping well, really fatigued. It was a gloomy day. It was like really cold and rainy, just like a really bad combination. So I am not feeling spiritually jazzed. <laughs> Let's just make that clear. There's a uh, someone that knew our, our chaplain that was leading our, our group. Uh, there's a 
a, a student studying abroad in Israel who came with us for the day. She was upset. She was uh, crying because she was homesick. I saw her crying. I didn't know why. Later on, we get with the the. This was in Nat. Sorry, this was in Nazareth. So where Jesus grew up. So we're in Nazareth. There's a uh, basilica of the of the Annunciation. It's like, all right, you guys can go get lunch or spend more time to pray. And they're like, hey, you want to go get lunch? Some friends are like, you want to get lunch? It's like, you know what? I've not had much time to pray. Let me pray, which, man, makes me kind of want to always skip meals. But <laughs> so I was walking around the, the, the crypt churches. Yeah. <laughs> the crypt churches, like the, like a lot of these big churches will have a crypt churches, like the, the basement kind of level of the church. It's very big. So I was walking around. I saw this person, uh, journaling she was not crying but it's like hey i don't mean to nosy but i saw you crying earlier and didn't know if i could just offer some prayers for you or if i, I don't know if i could pray for you she's like yeah i'm just like feeling homesick i said okay well and i was getting ready to walk away like oh you know i'll pray for you and i was like no i need to learn to pray more with people in person and by the way most of the times i've I mean, it's not the case with my brother, but most of the times I've powerfully experienced the Holy Spirit is praying with other people. So if you want to experience more of the Holy Spirit, you start praying with other people, praying over each other. So I, I was praying for her. It was not a super profound prayer. I mean, it was nice, but it was just like, you know, God, comfort her, help her know that you're with her, that you're a father. Mary, your mother, you're here. You know, Joseph, spiritual father. Jesus is a brother, a friend. And I just felt the Holy Spirit's presence. It was this it's like very, it's in one sense, it's very tangible. In another sense, it's, it's nothing physical. Um, it's kind of this, this spiritual feeling, but it just felt this like weight, this weight in the presence of the Holy spirit as I was praying for her. And so I walked back to just a different spot, just like this kneeler on the edge of the church, just to just continue praying. Cause that's what I was there for. And that feeling kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and it was just this such a spiritual weight. If in the right context, you know, I might have even just even if in the appropriate context, I might have even just fell over. But there was this this profound spiritual weight where it was hard for me to like even sit up or look up straight. It was just so heavy. And then I felt all this energy, like this just crazy amount of energy just flowing through me. Like I, man, if someone gave me a basketball, like I could have like jumped up and slam dunked it. Not that this is about athletic performance, but just give me a sense of how this manifestation of God's love is, is active in my, even in my body, certainly my soul as well. Uh, this happens sometimes too, but was not trying to do anything. And my eyelids started fluttering like crazy. Like I couldn't control them and they were just like fluttering. Uh, and then just really... You know, all this stuff that I'm saying or others are saying is like, okay, is this just like a podcast on just like these cool feelings? No, because the the real primary, my, my real primary sense of the experience was just being filled with God's love. Particularly, it felt like a waterfall of love. Actually, I would even say it felt like there was like these waves of love, like boom, boom. And it was just this just so much, so much love being poured into me. Like it was, it was overwhelming, which makes me think so, think of uh, the verse from Romans eight, I think the, uh, 
the love of God has been poured into our hearts. Well, I, I might be mixing things, but Romans five. Love of five God's been yeah. Okay, yeah, Romans five. Love of God has been poured into our heart. But then Romans eight says, you know, we've been given the Spirit, which we cry out, Abba, Father. Mm-hmm. And just felt like oftentimes God can seem for many people like abstract, far away, distant, not real. During this experience, like the air I breathed, the ground beneath my feet felt so incredibly fake compared to, or it felt so abstract compared to the reality and weight of God's yes. glory and presence. Yes. And I was just overwhelmed. And I, I was just aware of how God had, had loved me my whole life. And just even from just a, a very young age and how he's, he had walked through, he'd walked with me through all my doubts about atheism or whether he existed or feel, feeling like he was far away or that he couldn't hear me or I couldn't hear him. Like God had walked me through all this time and just felt so much of his love. It was overwhelming. And then I, there was like this something waiting to come out of me. And I, I didn't know what it was. It's like, I was still in control, but it's like, there's something that like needs to come out of me. And then I just started praying in tongues and I was trying not to cause a scene because there's people walking around. I'm having like my, my, I'm putting my hands or sorry, I'm putting my, my face in my hands just to not make too much noise. But I was just like, could not stop for about yeah 25 or 30 minutes and just so aware of so aware of God's goodness. I saw some of my friends walking around. I said, Lord, just give them the same grace. You know, I saw my friend uh, Deacon Travis was like, you know, give him this grace too. You know, pour this out on him. There's yeah, just so much love. And again, up to this point, I was not feeling physically great or even necessarily spiritually great or emotionally great. And there's just this overwhelming experience of God's love. And so since that point in my life, I mean, there's been more outpourings of grace, but uh, it really was a, a, a turning point of just greater knowledge of God's love, greater desire for prayer, greater desire for spiritual things. And something, too, I probably would have done, but it was not appropriate for the context, uh, so I didn't. But, like, I would have just, like, shouted with every ounce of my being just the name of Jesus, which is not... I am a sang- like a sanguine personality, extroverted, you know, talk fast, but that's you know not my type of thing. Like I know social etiquette pretty well. I'll ju- I just want to um, say I remember your testimony over the phone back in early 2020, and that was like that was one of the high points of my year because that was just I remember I was so, you know, when you feel testimony that's truly like truly inspiring and from the lord from a friend of yours it's like you rejoice in that as if it were your own something that the god had done in your life it's like because that's how the body of christ operates it's supposed to operate and i just remember that that was one of the high points of the year honestly it's kind of a crummy year in some ways 2020 but that was like such an amazing (laughs) thing to hear was how you had this incredible holy spirit breakthrough I just wanted to, uh, I just would like hearing this, uh, this testimony, especially right here at the end of uh, Father Michael's testimony, I just really feel moved to uh, invite anybody who's listening to this to, at this point, if you're feeling like the Holy Spirit on you right now, as you're hearing the testimony, if you feel like this desire for more of God welling up in you, 
And if you're you know, at a place where you can do this, just to pause the recording for however long it, it takes and just open yourself up to the Lord right now in prayer and just pray a simple prayer of, of, of asking the Lord to give you more of the Holy Spirit. Just praying in the name of Jesus and asking for more of the Holy Spirit. And that um, if you're just feeling excited by this or energized by this, just to, to take advantage of that right now. I just feel like the, the Spirit moving in, in these testimonies and um, somebody listening might be open to that right now. And God might be wanting to bless you right now with more of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, like that sense of when you feel that like burning in the heart, when you feel like this energy in you, this is when there's like, uh, we'd say like, yeah, this would be more of like the, the work of grace or contemplation and not as much as you actively having to think of things. So just share with God your desires. Like, God, I want more of you. I want to ex- experience your love more. I want to taste your love more. Um, yeah, just to pray that. I'll just, I'll just even say a prayer right now, just in case if, if, if you're not experiencing them right now, you can just listen to just for the prayer, but I'm just going to say a prayer now. So Heavenly Father, I ask to anyone who's listening to this right now, wherever they're at, whether they're uh, in their car, maybe they're like just cleaning their house, maybe they're sitting sitting at home and just in their living room, wherever they're at, Lord, I just ask you just to stir up them as just a greater desire for you. Uh, to anyone that's uh, especially been baptized or confirmed, uh, just to, to stir up that grace right now. Holy Spirit, just to activate that, that you don't, this is not just, uh, these experiences are not just for a couple lucky few, they're for everyone that we don't have to earn it, that whoever's listening to this right now, uh, that you do not have to earn this. You do not have to be perfectly holy. Uh, you can still have your mess. You can still have your imperfections. You might think you lack faith. You may feel like you've dropped the ball in, in some ways just as a disciple. But this uh, this love of God, this, this gift of the Holy Spirit, this gift of baptism in the Spirit is a free gift. And the just the, the less you try to earn it or reason it or calculate or control it, uh, the, the better, the less you try to do that. And just to be a free child, Jesus says, asking you shall receive, uh, seeking you shall find, knock on the door shall be opened to you. Your heavenly father knows how to give good gifts. If you who are wicked know how to give good gifts, how much more will the heavenly, your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So you're a child Jesus has died on the cross so that you can have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, maybe you'll be going to conference someday. Maybe you'll go to uh, a pilgrimage, but it can happen right now. And even if it's not your moment, the big experience for you, you can still still experience more of God right now. Do not limit your circumstances. Do not limit this experience by your circumstances of the time of day of being in between things, being in the middle of something. Like you can experience more of God anywhere. God loves to show up so unexpectedly. God showed up to, showed up to me when I when I did not expect it. And Jesus chose the he chose ordinary people to be filled with power. Jesus cho- chose ordinary people 
intentionally because he wants to manifest the greatness of your power. So if you feel like you're ordinary, if you feel like you're not that special, then you are you are exactly the type of person God wants to work with. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit with your fire. Yeah, come Holy Spirit. I just say to think of St. Paul's words in Scripture, that God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose uh, those who regarded as nothing, those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing, those who are something. Why? So that no human being may boast before God. God is glorified uh, when people who are nothing in the eyes of the world are empowered and carry the message of salvation, the message of the gospel of Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Yeah, at, th- at this point, um, I probably probably will just close close this time of us praying for you. But if you if you feel like the Holy Spirit's moving on you, just pause this podcast. You know, just whatever. Go. Go kneel down by a holy image. Go lay down on the couch. Whatever. Stand up. Stand up. Hold your hands in the air. Open your hands up if you want, like you want to receive more. But yeah, just you know, just to continue the the podcast. Do you have something to say, Father Chris? Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and say that there's kind of uh, two extremes people we can fall into when we talk about like manifestations. And an openness to this kind of even experiencing God like in our bodies. And that, you know, that's exciting. And that is, um, in a sense, it's sensational. It's literally, it's sensations. Uh, so there is a sensational quality to it. Uh, but one extreme would be for us to make the manifestations, to make those experiences, those felt experiences, to make that the measure of God's grace, of the Holy Spirit moving through you, the Holy Spirit working in your life. Um, But the opposite extreme is um, to be so distrustful or so afraid of what it might look like or feel like or be like to experience those things that we block the, the movement of God, that we oppose the movement of the Holy Spirit so the, the, the key is, is not to like chase or to pursue a particular kind of experience or a manifestation. And this applies to all of our prayer. It's not just about spiritual gifts or the, Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like, it's just to say to the Lord, like, Lord, I want what you want for me. Uh, you know, and that might be something really outside your comfort zone. But when we care more, when we, we desire to encounter God more than we desire to appear, uh, I don't know, respectable or uh, intelligent or whatever it might be, professional. Uh, we just need to be more enamored with God and more desirous of God and his gifts and his love and receiving that however he wants to give it. We need to value that more than what we value uh, people's perception of us, or even our perception of ourselves. So just to, just to kind of maybe balance the conversation out with like, we, we're very aware, you know, that like the spiritual life and prayer and intimacy with God is not about chasing 
feelings or trying to work up something. But when you feel God doing something, don't put up a wall. Yeah. And I've been prayed over by a lot of really amazing Holy Spirit filled people in a place of really great expectation and faith. Many times I've been prayed for and not really felt anything physically speaking. Actually, that's probably normally I don't feel anything like this. I pray, I pray a holy hour with the blessed sacrament every day. I, yeah, I definitely will sometimes experience like peace or a burning the heart, but like there's plenty of times where I don't necessarily feel like uh, a whole lot of amazing feelings. So the reason why we're talking about this is because I think a lot of people get that, at least a lot of Catholics that are engaged that I think they get that like, okay, it's not always about seeing and understanding everything. There's, there's an aspect of faith that things are mysterious. I think we generally get that uh, a lot of the time. This is, a con- this is important to bring up just because we're trying to say that God can really move in these more extraordinary ways. And I think everybody, it's good for people to have like mountaintop experiences like the, the transfiguration. Like Jesus did show his glory to his apostles, uh, at least to Peter, James, and John. It's good for us to have these more mountaintop experiences. Or you know, other people too had just other powerful encounters with the Lord. That doesn't mean every second, every minute is just super emotional. Again, the vast the the vast majority of my experience is not that emotional, or even these experiences the the Holy Spirit's presence. It's just. Um, it's just important to know because sometimes we think that God always has to be abstract, distant, not concrete or impersonal when he can be tangible, close, very concrete and very real. Yeah, so it seems like at least maybe, I'll say a few different levels, maybe particularly in the Catholic Church, and then maybe particularly in the American Catholic Church, and I don't know, people a lot of times joke about kind of like German-American Midwest Catholics. I don't know. Uh, we're just uh, affectively, our expressiveness, um, you know, how we, I don't know, just sort of the way we manifest any kind of emotion. It's not just with regard to prayer. Um, we've kind of taken on like a kind of stoic ideal that prayer is supposed to be this very, it's very serious and uh, it's very formal and kind of and we don't want to yeah we don't want to equate reverence is extremely important but reverence is not uh, identical to mm, like a lack of expressiveness or a kind of cool and, and kind of like very um, collected and just like yeah, just unexpressive. Like reverence does not just mean that everything is perfectly ordered and calm all the time. And you know, there's there's different seasons for different things. There's uh, you know, there's a season for everything. And uh, there's times in our prayer when things need to be very calm and peaceful and restful. And there's times when we need to let the Lord do something different. Um, I think by and large, we're erring on the side of a lack of openness to. Uh, more uh, extraordinary or more manifest we as in, movements we, of God's. We as in Catholics. Yeah. 
as in Catholics. Not you and me, yeah. No, and um, and so that if we're sharing some of the, you know, in general in this podcast, as we share about some of these gifts, about some of the ways that God's working, uh, it's not in any way to downplay or to, to devalue the ways that people are experiencing God already and the, the powerful work that God is doing in people's lives. It's, it's in some ways a corrective that we've already experienced or are experiencing in our own life of moving from that side of um, just maybe a drier, more um, kind of controlled experience of God, ex- controlled experience of prayer, where we feel like it's more on us to kind of put in the work and like you get in, you get out what you put in uh, and just that kind of like, maybe it's like a, a consumer mindset or an American mindset to like, you have to achieve it. And we're just trying to open our hearts more and, and share with other people about how God just wants to pour out some of these gifts and shift our perspective. Here's the thing too, with like a relationship, husband and wife. Yeah. Things are definitely not just super emotional and it's not always the honeymoon feelings, but if a couple never like ever basically experienced the, yeah, the more romantic feelings, the emotions, like deeper affections for one another, something would be off if that never happened. Uh, lo- I mean, even once, <laughs> you know, because some people don't even think they've had that that type of affection with God, even that deeper type of intimacy with God, even one time. So it's 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 not everything. But here's the thing: like we say, oh, like you know, we're you know, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, which we absolutely are. But like sometimes it's just just a fact just this fact that you're we're told and it doesn't actually there's there's nothing actually real about it you're just told and so you you believe it well yep they always say that we have the holy spirit and we're a temple of the holy spirit and so that's just kind of what what happens the 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 love the the infinite love of god the holy spirit is the is the love of god the love of god is being poured into one's heart like divinity being poured into being poured to you and I as creatures how how on earth could that not affect at least sometimes one's emotions and basically we we admire uh we admire ordered behavior and ordered thinking but like i think of the holy spirit's there's something kind of off if our emotions are actually very, very powerful. Like people are very, uh, I think the, the etymology for emotion is like ex, uh, modio or motio, which is like to move out of. And so they're, they're, they're motors. That's where we get the word motor as well. So emotions are really meant to move us. And so something's off if the, the emotions aren't being, uh, affected or acted upon at least sometimes. And that this is part of the human. This is this is part of the human person. This is not, oh, extroverts, you know, or whatever. This is, or really emotional people. This is part of every person's faculties, like intellect, reason, emotions. And if if God wants to bring every part of us alive, the full package deal. And Saint Thomas Aquinas has a. I mean, he talks about it a lot, but he has a um, response where he talks about like a, a moral action is more fully human and is more excellent 
if of one's emotions, if one's passions are also engaged. So you, by reason, you see that I should do this. Your will, uh, you you align your will with it. You say yes to it. And maybe that's for a lot of us where it stops in our spiritual life. Yes, that makes sense. I agree with the teaching. I believe it. Check the box. And we do engage our will insofar as we say, I will, you know, I'll worship God. I'll come to mass. I will do what I'm supposed to do. But man, like the passion thing, like we are just lacking in it. Um, and it's really what gives so much beauty to, like it makes, it gives so much beauty and it makes the faith so attractive when somebody just loves Jesus and like, and when their love for the Lord and for other people is like manifest. And we see that in every other area of human life where someone's passionate about something. And, um, you know, we it, rather than just, feeling bad that I that I'm not more excited about God I mean we could just sit here and be like well we should be more excited about it because it's true and like and we have the Holy Spirit so like be more engaged and you know pray better it's like well that's not like shaming ourselves isn't going to be the solution it's like well what's like what's the alternative like what does the Lord want to do what uh, have people what of our generations of our saints and our ancestors in the faith done to open themselves up to God in a different way. So just that's something we can just continue to explore as we go forward in the podcast. And um, if you want to, we can probably kind of bring things to a close at this point. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, the ultimate fruit or manifestation of the Holy Spirit, again, these, these, these body things can be important um, as a sign, at least in certain encounters, but the most powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit is being more loving, like being more patient. Um, yeah, being more patient with the people, desiring God's commandments, desire to prayer, desire to pray, wanting to pray the scriptures more, scriptures coming alive for you, a greater attraction to spiritual things. This is the real, the real sign of the Holy Spirit's presence. So I, I want to be clear about that. And ultimately, the, the the important thing of any testimony or just just learning about God, reading the scriptures, it's really sparking us a greater desire for Him. So just desire Him, believe Him that like if you seek Him, you will you will find Him. If you if you find if you find your delight in the Lord, he will. He, uh, if you find your delight in the Lord, he will grant you the desires of your heart. If you delight in God, he will give you that desire for more of Him. So, just to have that faith, but you know, it's it's not about uh, it's. Yeah, I guess I'm starting to repeat myself, so I'll just uh, bring it just to a close. But that's the greatest thing. So, get be open to the emotions. Know that's a, that that is a thing that you can expect from time to time, but ultimately, like desiring just more of God and yeah that's that's really the the primary thing in all of this so just to 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 really to actually conclude now just to share some resources that I think could help spark up a greater desire so one would be the spiritual gifts hand uh spiritual gifts handbook just make sure I'm saying that clearly because I'm a fast talker the spiritual gifts handbook by Mary Healy and Randy Clark uh, another great one that I was reading this and it was just really, I felt a burning in my heart 
a burning in my heart. It's called Baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's by the International Catholic Charismatic Renewal Services Doctrinal Commission. So it's kind of a long title, but uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to find. But if you look on Google, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. And then this will be a topic for another time, but Healing by Mary Healy. It's about healing evangelization, but it just gets you excited to hear testimonies about that. Uh, do you have any other resources? Well, yeah, let's rec- I, have, I forgot. Let's definitely recommend Father Christopher's, uh, your blog series on this. It's At this point in time of this recording, it's still being developed, but there is uh, some of them released at this point. Do you want to say anything about your blog post or just any other resources you'd recommend? Oh, one other book that I would recommend... And anybody who's you know, decently well catechized will maybe be able to figure out that there's a couple of small points where you might disagree with him because he's not Catholic, but there's a book by Dr. Randy Clark called Baptized in the Spirit, God's Presence Resting Upon You with Power. It's just all about baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you want to talk about testimonies that will blow your mind, but also just like fill you with desire for um, more of the Holy Spirit and just give you a greater openness this book is like filled with testimonies uh the blog post i'll just mention really quick uh i've so far written three a series called catholic equals charismatic and there's so there's three parts so far and the i'd re- recommend reading all of them because it's about these things we're talking about but the third one is on baptism in the holy spirit yeah and really you know there are experiences of experiences that Father Christian and I did experience this sort of on our own a little bit. I mean, I did pray with someone, but you really want to set yourself up to experience more of the Holy Spirit. Go to uh, an encounter event, but I would say the the encounter conference, the encounter ministries is a newer Catholic um, organization and they have a conference that is so, so filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're reading these books and testimonies and going to this conference, like, God is going to do amazing things. So sometimes we have to get out of ourselves. It's not that expensive. Uh, they're generally not that far away. I guess it depends on where you're, where you're listening to this podcast at, but um, for a lot of you, it might not be that far away. It is definitely the place to be. So it is a free gift, but also don't just sort of like, well, yeah, I got to kind of just be my normal self and say, I, I, want, I want a cool experience like that. Like learn, read, desire, and then be with other believers. That's where probably most, pe- most people get their baptism experience, baptism in the spirit experience in groups of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's how the, the Pentecost happened, right? Praying for nine days. Jesus had promised Holy Spirit we poured out. And they were all praying together with Mary for nine days straight when the Holy Spirit fell. So dispose yourself, uh, get out of your comfort zone, give yourself a a change of, if you kind of feel like you're in a rut in any way in your spiritual life or there hasn't been a lot of growth lately, take that step. Take that small step just to uh, read something new, hear some testimonies. Uh, But above all, I think, yeah, pray and, and be around people who have faith to see God move in power in the Holy Spirit. And this really is the top prior top priority. I'll be bold in saying that. 
There's so many good resources. So good. Sorry, there are so many good resources in our church. Amazing stuff. I love it all. But we really need to experience the graces of our baptism and confirmation being unlocked. Uh, this is this is not just another kind of random topic. This is like so essential. Jesus said that he was. I'm paraphrasing, but longing. Uh, he has this great longing for us to be baptized uh, in the in the Holy Spirit. He's 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 longing for that. John the Baptist says that he's the one who will baptize. He's the one that will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Again, all the apostles. It's not even like. It's not even just a matter of spending time with Jesus, like. Peter James, like all, Peter James, John, all the apostles, they spent tons of time with Jesus, but they still argued, as I said before, they most of them were cowards and abandoned Jesus. They just didn't seem to get get what Jesus was saying a lot. So spending all the time, they saw miracles. They saw so many amazing miracles. They did mir. I mean, they even did some miracles themselves. But it was after Jesus says, "You can't just go." Start sharing the gospel. The first command is to wait, wait, wait till you're clothed with from with power from on high. So this is this is what needs to happen. Is it going to be this emotional experience? I don't know. That's not the the most important thing. But uh, this activation of this grace needs to happen. So yes, we are going to we we are officially going to close. Uh, so God bless you all, and I'll just say just maybe just a little closing prayer. Uh, Jesus, I ask you just to continue to stir up a greater desire in everyone listening to this podcast. Greater desire, and I ask you, Jesus, just to protect protect whoever's listening to this from any lies about what uh, what what they're capable of. Uh, any lies, protect them from any lies against your goodness that like, well, this is for everyone else but me, that they would know that you desire every single person be alive in the Holy Spirit with the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, generosity, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, um, that we'd have the, yeah, the, the, the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit, the, the power that comes from the Holy Spirit, just lead them to the resources, the people, the experiences, the events, the trips that's going to enable them to really experience this this love, not as just an intellectual thing, but they would have this experience of the love of God be important to their heart. The Spirit would stir up in their heart that they would be able to cry out, Abba, Father, that when they say Father, it would not just be the, the title that we've been given, but it'd be a, a, a expression of the felt relation that they have with you. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you.